Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Is the LDS doctrine of pre-existence taught in the Book of Mormon? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we're looking at some pretty major teachings in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that don't seem to be found within the pages of the Book of Mormon, even though Joseph Smith said that a man would get nearer to God by abiding by the precepts in the Book of Mormon than by any other book. What we're trying to get across here is not only do we find a lot of those important doctrines absent from the pages of the Book of Mormon, But many sincere Latter-day Saints have felt that if they were to give a prospective convert a copy of the Book of Mormon, that they would be able to read enough about the church that they would have a good handle as to what Latter-day Saints believe, or at least are supposed to believe. We don't think that's true. In fact, a lot of the unique teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, many of those teachings that have certainly separated the LDS Church from the umbrella of Christianity, are not found in the Book of Mormon. And so we're looking at some of these teachings that are very important to Latter-day Saints, but don't seem to be mentioned at all in this book that Joseph Smith said was the most correct of any book on earth. This doctrine of the preexistence. Now, if you were to look at the book Gospel Principles, which is a vetted manual published by the LDS Church, was last updated in 2009, there is a section in chapter 2 titled, Our Heavenly Family. And it reads, God is not only our ruler and creator, he is also our heavenly father. All men and women are literally the sons and daughters of God. Man as a spirit was begotten and born of heavenly parents. And in yesterday's show, we were talking about the fact that even though Latter-day Saints have been told to believe in the existence of a heavenly mother, God's wife, there is nothing in the Book of Mormon, or the Bible, or the Doctrine and Covenants, or the Pearl of Great Price that teaches anything about her, and LDS leaders and scholars have admitted as such. Now, on page 9 of this manual, it goes on to say, The scriptures teach us that the prophets prepared themselves to become leaders on earth while they were still spirits in heaven. And then it says, See Alma 13, 1 through 3. Well, you're thinking if they're going to give a reference to Alma 13 in the Book of Mormon, that it's actually going to talk about the doctrine of the preexistence as it's understood by Latter-day Saints today. Well, what does Alma 13, 1 through 3 have to say, Eric? And again, my brethren, I would cite your minds forward to the time when the Lord God gave these commandments unto his children. And I would that ye should remember that the Lord God ordained priests after his holy order, which was after the order of his son, to teach these things unto the people. Verse 2. 
And those priests were ordained after the order of his son in a manner that thereby the people might know in what manner to look forward to his son for redemption. Verse 3, and this is the manner after which they were ordained, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God on account of their exceeding faith and good works. In the first place, being left to choose good or evil. Therefore, they having chosen good and exercising exceedingly great faith are called with the holy calling, yea, with that holy calling which was prepared with and according to a preparatory redemption for such. Now, Eric, you had mentioned before when we were off air that you just recently read the Book of Mormon again. And you did not even know that that was supposed to be a reference to the preexistence. No, not at all. I don't think anybody would have made that connection. I wonder how many Latter-day Saints would have seen what is supposed to be a connection to the Melchizedek priesthood in those verses when it talks about the holy order, which was after the order of his son. Some say that that's a reference to the Melchizedek priesthood, which, of course, that priesthood is not mentioned in the Book of Mormon either. That's how they do it. They take this phrase and they say, well, God didn't really want them using Jesus's name too often, and so he changed it to the Melchizedek priesthood instead of the priesthood order of his son. See, this becomes so vague, and the way they tie this all together, it makes your head spin, because you don't see the complex doctrine of the preexistence in those three verses. Now, some Latter-day Saint might say, well, yeah, it's in there, but you would have never known that. And I don't think Joseph Smith was teaching this in the early years of Mormonism. Remember, the Book of Mormon was published before the church was organized in April 6th of 1830. He doesn't really go off the doctrinal rails in a really distinctive manner until later on, starting probably around 1835 up until he dies in 1844. But how would you understand this doctrine based on those three verses? I don't think you could. I don't think most people could do that. And yet, if you were to join the church, being led to believe that everything that Latter-day Saints believe can be easily explained just by reading the Book of Mormon, I just don't think that that statement is even close to the truth. Now, another teaching of Mormonism is the doctrine of men becoming gods. Now, this, of course, we find as Christians is to be a very offensive teaching. To think that a human being can somehow become deity just seems to fly in the face of everything we know about the person of God, and especially those Isaiah passages in Isaiah 43, 44, and 45 that talks about there was no God before God, neither will there be any God after God, and the fact that this God mentioned in the book of Isaiah doesn't even know of any other gods. Can we assume then, if it was even possible for a Latter-day Saint to qualify to become a god, and you have to qualify in order to receive that godhood, otherwise known as exaltation, would that mean that the God of the Bible would not know them? Because he says very clearly that he knows no other gods. Wouldn't that include any perchance future Latter-day Saint who might qualify to become a god? We don't see anywhere in the Book of Mormon that teaches anything similar to this idea that men can become gods. 
Brigham Young taught, the Lord created you and me for the purpose of becoming gods like himself. When we have been proved in our present capacity and been faithful with all things he puts into our possession, we are created, we are born for the express purpose of growing up from the low estate of manhood to become gods like unto our Father in heaven. That is the truth about it, just as it is. Eric, do we see anything close to what Brigham Young said here in the Book of Mormon? I don't see it in the Book of Mormon, and I certainly don't see it in the Bible. So if you were, let's say, a professing New Testament Christian, and you were challenged by your LDS friend to read the Book of Mormon, and that would give you an understanding of what Latter-day Saints believe, and let's say you read it, and a lot of the things that you probably should have caught, you didn't catch— And then you become a Latter-day Saint. And then you find out that Brigham Young said something like this. If you were really a professing Christian when you joined the church, wouldn't that be offensive to you? If it's not offensive to you, then I would probably question whether or not you were really a Bible-believing Christian, because we don't see anywhere in the Bible that even hints of this. We don't see anything at all in the Book of Mormon that hints of it either. Well, what about this idea that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers? That's certainly a doctrine that catches the attention of a lot of us as New Testament Christians. How in the world could Jesus and Lucifer be brothers? Well, in Mormonism, it has to do again with that preexistence, that God the Father and Heavenly Mother were having these spirit offspring. The firstborn was Jesus, or Jehovah, as he was known in the preexistence, and then later on, another son was born that they named Lucifer. When exactly in the order of birth Lucifer comes along, we don't really know. We just know that he wasn't first. Well, the reason why this doctrine doesn't really offend a lot of Latter-day Saints is because they believe, according to that doctrine of the preexistence, that we're all literal sons and daughters of God, including Lucifer. Lucifer's not only the brother of Jesus, he's our brother as well. Here we go again. I mean, uh, the idea that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers is not taught in the Bible. Now, Latter-day Saints might say that the Bible's not translated correctly, Article 8. We've talked about that before. That's a possibility, let's say, that maybe it got taken out. Let's just count that as a possibility. But the Book of Mormon is the most correct book on earth, and it doesn't mention anything when Jesus is preaching to the Nephites. Why doesn't he bring up any of this? No, it's just the King James Version of the uh, Gospels are cited by Jesus. He repeats a lot of the Sermon on the Mount and other things like that, when he had every opportunity to teach the fullness of the Gospel. Yeah, and I think that's a, a problem that I have, because in the Book of Mormon story, you find Jesus makes an appearance. And after he is crucified over in Jerusalem, he ends up showing up later on as the resurrected Christ to the Nephite people, and he preaches to them. And it's interesting, a lot of what he has to say is really nothing more than we would find in the New Testament. There certainly isn't any of these kind of unique teachings, but if they're really that important, and they seem to be, and and the reason I say that is because Though Joseph Fielding Smith said that it has the doctrines in it that pertain to the salvation in the celestial kingdom, Uh, it could be argued by some Latter-day Saints, well, some of this stuff is not all that important. It's not salvific. You could 
be saved in the celestial kingdom, they might argue, and yet not believe some of these things. I would challenge that, though, because a lot of these things are intertwined. You wouldn't even understand how they all work unless you understand these doctrines that are behind those other doctrines. And again, the Book of Mormon doesn't teach any of these things. If you read the Book of Mormon thinking it would really give you a good understanding of what your LDS neighbor believes, you're going to be surprised to find out that that's really not true. They believe much more than what the Book of Mormon has to say. Tomorrow, we're going to be looking at doctrine that we would consider to be salvific in an LDS context. Are those teachings really found in the Book of Mormon as Joseph Fielding Smith said they should be? Remember, he is the one who said, by fullness of the gospel is meant all the ordinances and principles that pertain to exaltation in the celestial kingdom. If that is true, you would think that at least when it comes to salvific issues, they would be included in the Book of Mormon. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. We hope you've enjoyed today's edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. But did you know you can also listen to past broadcasts at your convenience? Simply go to Mormonism Research Ministries' website at mrm.org. Again, that's mrm.org. And scroll down to the box that says, Listen to the Podcast. Click here, and you'll find links to past shows that cover a number of pertinent subjects. Feel free to download the shows to your favorite listening device, and by all means, please share them with your friends. Once again, that's mrm.org.